You know, when you receive an invitation, uh, there are th- three things that, that, that happen when you accept it, or three reasons why you accept it. Number one, you really want to go. You know, re- you receive an invitation and you really want to go, and, and so you, re- you accept it. Secondly, you accept the invitation because there is something there that you want. You know, for example, these days you would be getting it, all the emails about Black Friday, you know, like you will go, you will receive, especially from JB Hi-Fi, you receive that email and they, because there is something that you want, you will accept that invitation and you will go. Or thirdly, you will accept the invitation because of who invited you, right? So one of the most imp- interesting invitations that I ever received was I was uh, invited to uh, a musical, The Little Mermaid. Um, <laughs> And I was invited by a friend of mine and his uh, year two daughter uh, in her primary school was doing a production of The Little Mermaid. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't that great. <laughs> but for, you know, year two, you know, what do you expect? I've seen The Little Mermaid. I grew up with The Little Mermaid. You know, Sebastian, Flounder, you know, they're all friends of mine. So it's not like I didn't know The Little Mermaid. And it's not like I was there to receive like entertainment. I, you know, you, you, you know, I'm not going to go and be excited about being entertained by a bunch of primary school kids singing. Um, but why did I go? Why did I accept the invitation? It's because of the friend that invited me. Because he was an important friend, still is an important friend of mine. And out of respect and honor to him, I went. And all I was thinking during that time is, man, you wait till one of my kids does one of these productions because you're coming with me and you can suffer together with me. Uh, Isaiah 55 is where we're in today and it's titled The Great Invitation. Now, the, the people of God are in exile, but last week we saw that uh, from Isaiah 40 to 55, we see the introduction of God's servant, God's suffering servant that would come and rescue them and bring about comfort to them. Now, Isaiah 55 begins with an invitation in verse 1 to 5, and this is what it says. Come, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Now, there are three things that we need to understand about this invitation. Number one is this. It's an invitation to all. God says, come, but he doesn't specify who the invitation is to because the invitation is to all. It's not just to the wealthy. It's not just to the worthy, but it's to those that are in need. God calls those who are thirsty Come, 
God calls those who have no money and offers them delight. First thing we need to understand is the invitation is an invitation to all. Secondly, it's an invitation or an offer for more than what the world has to offer. God says, why are you bothering spending money and doing things that do not satisfy? What am I inviting you? What I am inviting you to is greater than anything that this world has to offer. Anything, uh, including the ways of this world. It's an invitation to something that is greater than what we can see or feel in this world. Thirdly, it's an invitation that goes beyond you. God says that the nations you didn't even know will come running to you because of what I am inviting you to. Verse 5, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor. This is an invitation to God's people that are sitting in captivity, awaiting their rescue. God is calling them out and again reminding them of the promise that he has made to his people. We read this in verse 3, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. God God then calls on them to seek him and find him, but also for the wicked to repent. Verse 6 and 7, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, He, for he will freely pardon. If you seek God, you will find him. If you turn from your wicked ways, God will forgive you and have mercy on you. What an, an, an amazing invitation. But the question is, why would Israel want to accept this invitation? Like, yes, the invitation is for free and much has been promised. But why accept this invitation? It's because it's from God. It's not from a neighboring king. It's not from a prophet himself. But it's from God himself. What does God? Uh, what does uh, Isaiah tell us about God, the giver of this invitation? He says that God is greater. There are three things that he says. Uh, Number one, that God is different. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Isaiah declares that the way God thinks and the way God acts is different to us. God doesn't think like us. God doesn't act like us because he is not like us. And sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we forget that God is different to us. You know, it's like me saying I'm really good at tennis and then Roger Federer saying I'm really good at tennis is very different, right? It's like saying I'm, I'm rich and Bill Gates saying I'm rich is different, right? That's what it's like with God. And sometimes we forget this, right? Because the way we understand our world is in our own framework, but sometimes we forget that, that God is he's not bound by our limitations, by even our five senses. You know, everything that we understand comes together within our five senses, right? And that's why it's difficult for us to understand anything beyond that, but God is beyond that. And that's why it's really hard for us sometimes to even comprehend that. But that's what Isaiah is saying, that he is different. The second thing that Isaiah tells us about God is that he is higher, or another word for that is he is greater. 
Verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Not only is God different to us, he is higher. He operates at a higher level to us. Think about it. If God was the same, if God's thoughts and his ways were the same as us, either he can't be God or we are all gods. But that's not reality because God is greater than us. Once again, we forget this, right? We forget this because we live in the constraints of our own humanity, which is actually limited. The invitation of God is so appealing because what God has in store for us is not just different. It's better. It's greater than even what you and I can imagine. The third thing that Isaiah tells us about God is that God's plans are fulfilled. Verse 10 and 11, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which which I sent it. Another reason why God is so desirable or the invitation that God gives us is so desirable is because God's plans are wonderful. They are different, they are better, and they are purposeful. What God says is that nothing happens without a reason. Everything has a purpose in God's economy. And God's purposes are perfect. There is not a, a single thing in this world that, that is wasted in the eyes of God. It said in God's economy, all things happen for a reason. Now, sometimes we don't understand that. Right? Once again, our limitations, right? When we go through suffering, right? When we go through hardship, all we can see is the suffering and the hardship. Whereas God, who sees all, sees the bigger picture character building, perseverance. You know, sometimes, you know, like doors close and all we can see is the door that is closed and what we fail to see is right on the other side is another door that's starting to open, but we just can't see that, but God can. You know, so many people, you know, during COVID, they, they, they struggled to see beyond their own situation and yet God reminds us, or Isaiah reminds us that with God, no experience is wasted. No season is wasted, including the season of waiting. And we hate waiting. We're an instant generation, right? We want it and we want it now. You know, we, we want to be, you know, strong. You know, um, January 1, right? January 1, the number one place where people want to go, January 1 is where? The gym. January 2, why am I not fit yet? Why do I not have an amazing body yet, right? That's the reality. Like we, we think that that's how the world works, but it doesn't. It doesn't. But just because we don't understand it or we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not in the plans of God. I love this phrase, God says what he does. And does what he says. 
He promises to us what he's going to do. And then he fulfills them. This is why the invitation of God is so appealing. And then we see in verse 12 and 13, we see the result of accepting the invitation of God. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. The result of accepting God's invitation is that that they will go in joy and in peace. And as captives, as slaves, hearing God's promise, this would have been honey to their ears to know that God the Creator has not forgotten them, will come to save them through the servant, and they will be led to joy and peace in their lives. Friends, there is not an invitation in the world that comes close to the invitation of God. There is not an offer in the world that comes close to what God is offering to humanity today. Now, there's a few things that that we need to think about as we consider God's invitation from this passage. Number one, It's an invitation to the thirsty. God's invitation is to all who are thirsty. This is an invitation to all who have need in their lives. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, you know what's crazy, but there are a lot of people, a lot of people in this world that will not accept this invitation because they have no need. Right? People that are full, do not, do not um, take the invitation to go and eat. Why? Because they're full. They have no need for food, right? Now, Maccas is doing 30-day specials. You know who doesn't care about the invitation from McDonald's? Yeah, my wife, firstly, thank you. Um, people... Oh, how? How also doesn't care. Yes, thank you. We're just naming and shaming people here. Um, Lord, please do not judge them. Um, people who are full do not go to the Macca's app and check what is the special today. Why? Because they're full. They don't need more food. They don't care if it's 20% off everything today. They don't care if it's a $2 McFlurry. Who cares? I'm full. I don't need that invitation. Do you know who doesn't need the invitation of God? People who think that they are full. Meaning people who believe that they are self-righteous. I don't need God. I'm good. I don't need God. My life is perfect. I don't need help. I've got everything in control. These are the people that do not they do not need God. They feel like they don't need God. And therefore, the invitation of God is not appealing to them. And so they reject the invitation of God. But for the rest of us who acknowledge that we are thirsty, that we are hungry, that we are broken, that we are not in control, that actually a lot of our life 
is chaotic. And because of our sin, we are subjects of wrath. For people that understand that, when the invitation of God comes for forgiveness, when God the Creator invites us back into His presence, that's not something that we just like, oh yeah, I think about it. No, that's something that you run and you grab with both hands. So the, firstly, this invitation is an invitation to the thirsty. Secondly, it's an invitation to the poor. This is an invitation to those who cannot pay. And what this reminds us is, is that you cannot pay your way into the kingdom of God, nor can you earn your way into God's favor and presence. The reality is, and what Bible tells us, is that all man has sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. There is not a single human in this world that meets the standard of God, the perfect standard of God. Now, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we think we can. You know, if I'm doing good things, if I'm being charitable, if I'm spending time reading God's word, Sometimes we think that we can earn God's merit. God, look, look what I did this week. God, look what I did this year. God, look how much scripture I read. God, look at all these good things that I've done. Therefore, I should be able to earn my way into heaven. But the reality is, the biblical reality is, is that all we bring to God is our brokenness and our sin. That's all we have. Our brokenness and our sin. And yet, God, because of his great love and mercy, extends his invitation to us and actually says, you got no money, no problem. It's an amazing idea that is very hard for people to swallow in this world because we live in a society, you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get bad. But what God is saying is you do bad, but because of me, you'll get good. It's an invitation to the poor. Thirdly, God's invitation is to ultimate satisfaction. Ultimate satisfaction. God's invitation uh, is, is an offer for something that this world cannot give. You know, we talk about what it means to be Full. We talk about what it means to be successful. We talk about what it means to be complete. Now you think about it, right? You don't have to think hard to know what the world is offering to us. Work hard, right? Earn your way, you know, make your way up the corporate ladder. Get that promotion, right? So you can earn more. So what? So you can buy more. And then you earn more and then you can buy even more and then you just buy a bigger house a better car, you know? That's what the world is offering. But what the world offers in the best of times is temporary. What the world has to offer is temporary, friends. Think about it. If the pursuit of fame and fortune, right, were really the path to success and happiness, right? If what the world is selling us, which is if you have more, you'll be happier, 
right? If you have more, you'll be more. You'll be more valuable, right? If that really was the case, then the richest people in this world and the most famous people in this world should be the most content and happiest people in the world. And yet, it's not. The richest people in the world are some of the most miserable people in the world. The famous people in this world, you know, you, 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 put, you turn on the news, they're so miserable. You know, they're just going from partner to partner. They're going from substance abuse to substance abuse. Some go to self-harm. And you've got to think, right? In our eyes, they've got everything. You know, they've got money. They've got property. You know, they've got popularity. You know, they've got attention, significance, security. And yet, what that provides for them is something of a glimpse of satisfaction. A glimpse, a blink of satisfaction that can so easily be taken away in a moment. But what God offers, what God offers is true joy and peace, something that cannot be found in this world. Now, happiness, happiness and joy are two very different things. Happiness is based on your situation. All right? It's like my kids. If I give them a lollipop, they're happy. If I say no to the lollipop, they're not happy. Right? It's very situationally um, determined. But joy, joy is actually beyond your situation. I didn't get the lollipop, right? but I'm just grateful that you're my dad. Didn't say any of my kids, but still, you know, we're working on that, right? Like, happiness is something that can be bought, but if it's something that can be bought, it can be lost very quickly as well. And we, we, we mix this up. We mix this up. We think happiness is joy. We think that the goal of our life is happiness. That's why we continue to buy what the world is teaching us. But I'm telling you, it's just momentary. It's momentary and momentary and momentary. And at the end of the day, all of that happiness, all of that material possession, all of that hard work, the best thing that you're going to get is a really nice box in the ground. That's it. But what God offers is joy and peace. It's, it's things that money can't buy. Can you buy peace? You know, we're coming out of pandemic, right? So many people dealing with anxiety. So many people dealing with depression. Um, there's this new phenomenon about how everyone's like, people are struggling to now meet people because they're so used to like non-face-to-face, right? They're so used to meeting people in Zoom. It's like they, they don't know how to have a proper conversation. They don't know how to communicate, non-verbal communication anymore. And so there's social anxiety, people that are struggling, you know, to come out and things like that, right? What's going to solve that? Like what solves anxiety? If your situation changes? No, well then something else will happen next year and then you'll hit anxiety again. But that's why the invitation that God gives to his people is beyond what this world has to offer. True joy, true peace that cannot be found, that cannot be bought on earth, but only comes from God.
Fourthly, God's invitation is an invitation that needs to be cashed in. This is a simple one. What's the point of being invited if you don't cash it in? Right? What's the point of being invited and not acting upon that? The invitation of God is there. And the action that we're told is to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. It is ridiculous to think that you can have an invitation and, and, and accept it without doing anything. An invitation is there to be accepted. You've got to move. You've got to respond. Fifthly, it's, it's an invitation to repentance. God's invitation is free, but we must turn from our ways to receive it. Now, one of the things which is interesting when we read Bible is when it talks about sinful people. You know, when Isaiah talks about the wicked, the wicked that need to forsake their ways and the unrighteous that need to change their thoughts. You know, when we read this, you know, sometimes we we think of the bad people, right? We think of criminals. We think of the, the really bad people that we know in our lives and like, yeah, 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 they need to turn away. They need God. And what we forget actually is, that's talking about all of us. Last week, right? Uh, we, like sheep, have all gone astray. That's what Isaiah said. We, every single one of us, like sheep, have gone astray. So when Isaiah says, let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. This is not referring to criminals in jail. This is not referring to, to people that have done bad things. This is not just referring to the, to, to the non-Christians that hate the church. This is referring to us, all of us. We are all in this boat, we are all needing of forgiveness. We are the ones that need God's mercy. So when Isaiah says, let them turn to the Lord, what he's saying is, let you, you need to turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on you and God will freely pardon you. But that is so amazing if you think about it. That it's not just, God's not just saving just people. God's saving me. God's saving you. This is who Isaiah is talking to. So we, we repent, we say sorry, and we walk back to God, receiving the invitation that God has for us. And finally, we need to remember that the, the invitation is from God. This is the last thing that we need to remember. We need to remember who it is that is inviting us from God who is different to us. God whose ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. This is who God is. See, one of the things I think that, that we forget, even in the church, is who God is. And the question is, uh, the question of whether we, we accept or receive the invitation of God has less to do with what God is offering and more to do with how we view God himself. It's an issue of faith. Do we believe God is greater? Do we believe God is smarter? Do we believe that God's ways are higher? I think that's the question. 
Because if we really did, we would run. We would run to this invitation. We would throw everything aside to accept this invitation. But the reason why we don't, the reason why we struggle, is because we struggle to believe that God is who he says he is. Think about it. God says, I created the universe. Like literally, he says, I put the the stars and the moon into its place. Right? I created your yesterday, I created your today, and I created your tomorrow. And my plans are good. My plans are purposeful. And I will look after you, my people. That's what he says. That's what he promises. And yet, we struggle to trust that. Therefore, we're running around like headless chooks trying to make our lives better, trying to be in control of our life, trying to make decisions outside of God. And it's not the fact that we don't believe that God exists, but it's the fact that we don't believe that God is who he says he is. We don't believe, we struggle to believe that God will do what he has promised. It's like if tonight, right, or tomorrow morning, you went to your mailbox I don't know how many people physically go to their mailbox anymore, but you went to your mailbox. Well, okay, let's, let's we'll contextualize. You got an email, right? And it says, sender of email, the office of the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. And it says, dear Pastor May, you have been cordially invited to Kirribilli House to have lunch with me, the Prime Minister of Australia, next Thursday at 12 p.m. Now, that's a very interesting email to receive, right? It could be a scam. There we go. We're getting to that point. If you believed that that was a legitimate email, Regardless of your political views, I don't think there'd be too many people that would turn down an invitation from the Prime Minister to come over to his house for lunch, right? Like even if it was just pure curiosity to see what house he lives in, right? Or what food would be served, you know? But if you did not believe that that email was legitimate, that it was a scam, you would never go to Kirribilli House. You would never receive that email. You wouldn't even click the email. Right? If you didn't believe that the invitation was real or the person behind that invitation was real, you would never receive it nor accept it. The reason why we struggle to run to God and accept him is that we struggle to believe and trust that God is actually who he says he is. We struggle with that. We struggle with our identity because 
we struggle to believe that when God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, we were like, mm, I don't know if I trust that. When God says, hey, your future is in my hands. I've got plans for your future. We spend more time worrying about our future than trusting in God. Why? Because we, we, we struggle to believe that God will look after us. But the one thing that we need to know about God, and the one thing that we need to learn about God, especially throughout the book of Isaiah, is this. God is faithful. God is faithful. Meaning, God will turn up. God will do what he says. When he says something, it will be fulfilled. When he promises He'll do it. God is not flaky. God is not conditional like you and I. You know, I use this example in the morning. You know, when God says, hey, I'm going to meet you at 1 p.m. for lunch, bang, he's there 1 p.m. for lunch. He's not like you. 1 p.m., sorry, running late five minutes, too much traffic. 120, hey, sorry, just woke up, just need to, you know, put my makeup on, blah, 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 right? Oh, sorry, it's raining, can we just meet next week? Flaky, conditional, that's us. That's humanity. You know how crazy, you know how flaky we are as people, right? I'm going to go to the gym today. We're, we're the biggest liars, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be exercising today. I'm going to eat healthy today. This is just lies, right? When we feel like it, we do it. And when we don't feel like it, we don't do it. But God is not like that. And this is what you need to hear tonight, friends. God is not like that. When God says he's going to do something, he'll do it. When God promises something in the Bible, he's done it. So when he says, you will be my people and I will be your God, I will look after you in this life and eternity, that's what he'll do. It's just a question of whether we believe that, whether we trust that, whether we're willing to surrender our own lives and our own control to allow God to lead and guide us. That's the struggle. The struggle is not, the question is not, can God do it? No, God can do it because he's God. It's not a question, will God do it? No, God will do it because he's God and he's faithful. It's a question of whether we trust him to jump on his boat so that he can lead and guide us. That's the struggle. Friends, I know that there's a lot going on in our world today. I know that for some of you, there's a lot going on in your personal lives as well. But this evening, God is inviting you. God is calling you back to where he is. And what he's offering you is true satisfaction, true joy, true peace. And he says, come. Come and you'll eat what is good and delight in the riches of fare. Come and listen that you may have life. And I pray tonight, 
no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation you're in, that you will realize that this invitation is for you and that you will accept and receive God's invitation tonight. Let's pray.